Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Morning Fintech Podcast, the show where we explore the latest trends and innovations in the world of financial technology. I'm your host, Joshua Benedillo, and today I'm thrilled to have Ariel Cohen, the CEO and founder of Navon, as my guest. Navon is a platform that combines travel booking, expense management, and corporate cards in one super app. It helps companies save time, money, and hassle on their business travel. Navon is used by over 8,000 companies worldwide and has over 2 billion raised from top-tier investors. In this fascinating episode, Ariel shows his insight on how to think about product development from an economist's perspective, how to align your organization around customer needs and user feedback, and how to challenge the base assumptions of your business model. He also reveals why Navon decided to rebrand from Trip Actions and how they're leveraging product-led growth to empower corporate travels with a consumer-grade experience. This is a fascinating conversation full of practical advice and inspiring stories. Whether you are an entrepreneur, a product manager, uh, or just curious about the future of travel, you will find something valuable in this episode. So without further ado, please join my interview with Ariel Cohen. Hi, Ariel Cohen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Wharton Fintech Podcast. Ariel, it's truly an honor and a privilege to host you. Where are you calling in from today? First of all, thank you for having me. I'm really happy. I'm always uh, like to share the knowledge and I'm actually in Palo Alto right now in our uh, kind of basically our HQ. I love that. Uh, how many offices do you guys have worldwide? You know what? A lot. I actually don't know what the number is. Um, and, wow. And, and the, the reason is that um, obviously I know where our main offices are. It's really all over the world, right? We are a truly global company. And the reason is that, you know, when you go and build a travel company, you have to be global because you need to support, uh, you know, companies and their employees everywhere. So we just have a lot of offices. Our main offices are here in the Bay Area, but also in New York, um, in in Texas, um, uh, in London. We actually have two offices in Berlin, in Israel. Wow. It's It's probably more than 50 offices worldwide. Wow. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. Crazy growth too, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I think just it would be amazing for our listeners to hear a bit about background from your perspective and how you got started in tech and as an entrepreneur. Hey, it's, it's an interesting story. You know, I'm I'm actually, my my initial thing was not even tech. I was uh, mainly studied ec- uh, economics and, uh, and I started in tech because uh, in Israel in 99, you know, during the bubble, uh, tech was just paying more than the other alternatives. So I was actually doing uh, customer support before that and just joined tech because it felt that they're going to pay me more for per hour. And I already started an entire, uh, you know, obviously journey and career, uh, but it was completely random. And uh, obviously I've done a lot of different roles in tech, which we can talk about them more later. But my real passion, my true passion is actually products, uh, probably like you. Um, and really, you know, looking at a problem and and thinking, uh, you know, can can be a better way uh, to solve this problem, and uh, and I'm really good at that. And then kind of defining it from a product perspective. Yeah, I love that. I'm also an economics major. Who okay, would love to. Do you think about things as as like an economist? Do you think like, hey, like this is more efficient. This is where customers are going to get a lot of value. Is that almost your approach to product? I think 100%. I, I think this is really, you know, maybe my advantage because I think what I've learned in economics is, uh, you know, you know, you, you probably uh, know this, like, you know, you go and study, you know, microeconomics, right? 
And I'm talking about more of the advanced kind of courses. And I think that like, it's so not intuitive that there is almost no way to get to the right answer. Uh, and I think that the time that you start to really get it is when you understand that there is no one answer. Uh, so that's one thing, but also when you learn to kind of uh, fix kind of the variables. And this kind of approach helped me a lot when I'm dealing with problems, especially product, pro product problems, but a lot of other complex problem problems. Because if you know that there is no one answer, you actually know that the reality is that you'll need to iterate anyway. And if you know that for every complex problem, problem you'll actually have to kind of assume some things or fix kind of the, the, the variables or the parameters, I think it helps you to rethink about stuff. So it's probably a habit that I did kind of uh, kind of took for me, especially for microeconomics, uh, which I'm probably applying up until now. That's awesome. I never thought about it like that, that you have just a set of parameters and you can change certain ones, you can change certain variables, just like in an economic model. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so you started, you started in customer success, right? In your, in the beginning of your career, how did, how did the early stages of your career go? Cause a lot of, a lot of our listeners are in the early stages of their career whether they're in the MBA or just figuring out the, their path, um, kind of how did all those transitions go between each job and what was your thought process between each one? You know, I was just joking about it the other day with a friend of mine that uh, actually is now working at Navan, and but he knows me like since, like since we were like in the, you know, third graders. And I told him that actually, so it's funny, I started my career kind of uh, in a coffee place that I ended up managing uh in israel and i was joking with him and i told him that i think that i'm still kind of a lot of my habits are from that time right and and uh, as a manager and i think what does it really means and if you look at Navan at the brand today it's all the way to Navan. it means that for me it's all about the people right how do you take a group of people and actually making them uh, create something uh, great how do you go through some hardships with the, with the people? But also at the end, how do you really recognize that your customers are real people, like people that will come to kind of your, your shop and sometimes will be happy, sometimes will, be, will have issues um, and so on. Now, if you take it all the way to, to, to technology, if you're thinking about stuff like that, uh, you will imagine someone at an airport that is trying to onboard a flight and the flight just get, got canceled, right? Or you will imagine, you know, am I satisfied if I'm trying to get a certain report from the product, but it's very hard for me to get this report. So uh, you'll imagine their faces, their mood, and you'll imagine the team that actually need to sort this thing out and develop a better product. So in a lot of ways, I think what do you, to your point, what do you do early in your career? And I, early in my career, dealt with people, you know, in a coffee place, you deal with people, employees and customers. In customer service, you deal with a lot of people, you know, customer support means that you're basically having a headset on your head and every, let's say, three to five minutes, a new call will uh, get in, like one after the other, right? So you're handling one thing and then comes the other and so on. So you're addressing a lot of needs as you go. And I think these kind of habits uh, probably are uh, stayed in me up until now. What about, what are some of those main things that you learned about managing people? Cause you know, Navan has a ton of employees growing all the time and you've had a lot of ups and downs as a company. Uh, how, what were some of those main takeaways that you brought to, to Navan? 
Yeah, I, I think obviously to state the obvious, it's uh, it's it is way easier to get to get a small group of people that sits in one location and see themselves physically, you know, every day. Uh, you know, a group of people that you can uh, go to have drinks right at the end of the day, and to kind of from a communication perspective, um, explaining to to this group of people what where are we heading, right? What do we need to do to get there? Uh, and that's kind of, I would say, easy. Uh, when you scale, uh, everything is becoming more complex, right? You know, you you need to um, communicate, and you need to basically lead people to a certain direction. While there would be a lot of, uh, I would say, uh, uh, layers uh, that will make your uh, voice less clear, right? So I think the main challenges you're uh, kind of uh, growing up and scaling up is to make sure that still there is uh, an alignment, you know, in the company, in the organization uh, to what, what are we trying to achieve. Uh, in, in our case, you know, uh, there is, we have six things in our uh, values, uh, but there is one that we really, that really matters. And it's this value that we are basically saying it's all about the people, all the people, all about the users, right? All the users, all the time and the reason that they that this value is so important for me you know nothing else really matters right like you really need to remember that there is a user right somebody that uses your product your service that interact with you every day um and then what is the best thing that you can do for them and it doesn't mean that you'll not have ups and downs right you'll have bugs you'll have issues in customer service you'll have operational issues uh, but you need to remember that. And if you remember that, everything else is kind of solving itself. So to communicate this to a group of people that are all over the world and to make sure that everybody are making this their first priority, that is extremely challenging. And this is something that every time that we scale to the next level, uh, I find it that I need to kind of rethink the entire problem and kind of redefine how do I communicate to a bigger group that is all over the place, the same thing, like our users, our customers are the most important thing. How do you do that today? So, you know, you have to, so I'll give you an example. You have, we have all hands, like company all hands. And um, I took a stand uh, generally very, very early um, kind of a, on the early stages of coming out of uh, COVID, uh, that we are an in uh, office culture, right? That I'm expecting the employees to show up to the office, that I want to see them face to face. But still, you know, the employees are in a lot of different offices. So I kind of uh, made another point and what I'm telling the team, you know, once a month, we are having an all hands. And I'm expecting you to be in that all hands in person in one of the, you know, regional offices. Um, and then when we are there in person, I'm all the time, I'm going to start the all hands uh, with, again, this is our vision. This is our mission. Uh, this is us. This is what we care about. These are, these are our values. And now there are a lot of other things that are happening, right? But this is what it, what, 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 what we are all about. Or... You know, a lot of times you sit in a design meeting where you think about the product and, you know, sometimes it is very hard to prioritize, right? There are a lot of conflicting priorities. And again, it's to remind the, the, my, my team, you know, when you're confused, 
think about the user, think about the customer, right? Uh, it goes all the way to revenue. Would you compromise on that principle that I've said earlier to make more money? And I think that the answer is no, but you definitely need to, uh, to make sure to remind everybody this thing. And actually, I'll give you an example. It's, a, it's kind of in the travel industry, it's a big deal. In the travel industry, uh, there is this ongoing maybe debate or tension between going to a certain aggregator, it's called GDS, that bring you the, the air content, basically flights, uh, you know, that eventually your, uh, your app will show to the users. Right, so users can book. Um, but you can also connect directly to an airline. Um, and the content that you'll get sometimes is the same, sometimes it's different, right? Uh, but it, but in some cases, you'll make more money from kind of this aggregate, aggregated content compared to I'm going to connect directly to an airline, okay? So the question is, what are you going to optimize for? Are you optimized for like a content so the users will really trust the product and will make the best out of it and the companies our customers will get the best content the best prices the best routes that are out there or are you optimizing for uh, your revenue so as the industry the travel industry is going through this change there are a uh, travel agencies or travel solutions that kind of said you know i'm not aggregating into the i'm not connecting to the content that are giving me less money right because I have certain business model here that I need to protect. And for a second, we almost got confused because, you know, I'll have this team and uh, the team is saying, hey, um, American Airlines right now, it's very much in the news, are changing their business model and they want you to connect to them directly. And if not, you'll not have the relevant content for your customers. But the team was saying, if we'll do that, we'll make less money. And I, I needed to remind the team, why are we here? We are here for the users and for our customers, first of all. And the revenue will, will solve itself, right? If you create a lot of value, eventually somebody will pay you. So the revenue will sort out itself. But you cannot jeopardize the trust. Or you cannot forget that our value starts with it's all about our users and our customers. So I think this is kind of how you keep uh, reminding the team what's important and what's not, but it is easy to lose track. I love talking to you because you're, you're a very product-oriented CEO and uh, it's really refreshing to hear. Um, and I guess I would love to hear like some, what are some of the principles and takeaways that you had, let's say from the early parts of your career, maybe as you were starting, let's call it Jive Software, it's one of the companies that you started when you were early in your career. What were some of your takeaways that you took away and that kind of you brought with you to your time at Navan afterwards? I think there is a, you really, and I think it's it's a concept that is really, really hard in a, in a product management and frankly, even in a managing, a, you know, a companies. Uh, you need to find the balance between vision to and commitment to this vision to what your customers really want okay and the thing is your customers will want you to solve a very specific problem for them and a lot of times they will describe it to you in terms of solution right they will basically tell you i want you to add this report or i want you to add this checkbox i want or i want to get support from you in this way and the the risk here is that what your customers are really describing to you 
is the system that they used to use or the system that they are using today, that the entire point that they actually moved from that system to you is that they didn't like the end result of, a, of that system. Uh, in our case, you know, the obvious system is Concare, right? Most, most of the people that are using Concare don't like it. I, that's a fact. I don't think that I'm shocking anybody. Um, and, but, and so you, then you have a vision. I will create a really, really good travel and expense management solution, which this is what we do in a van. Uh, and we are taking a different approach to it. So now your customers are seeing it and obviously they switch to you because they didn't, they did want a different approach. The question here is how do you still adhering to their needs, listening to their needs, bringing some of the stuff that they need without really jeopardizing all of the advancement that you made from a product experience perspective. And that's something that that's a challenge that I had throughout my career. How do you create a really, really good product? Uh, product that really serves the users, right? We, we are seeing ourselves as the leader of a category that we are calling business uh, software uh, uh, for the people, developed for the people. And what do we mean by people? We mean everybody. There is a company. The company has needs. Uh, they need to see reporting. The company needs to be efficient. And the company has employees. And you want the employees to, to use this product, this service, because they like it. We believe that you will gain more out of it, not because you enforced it. So how do you make this product really good while solving the, co the corporate needs? And I think that's this fine balance in product management between uh, your vision and what your customers are asking you uh, uh, to do. And again, this is very kind of, uh, that's an important thing that I was doing uh, throughout my career in, in product management. Yeah, that sounds, you know, the typical response is always, oh, you know, uh, find a problem that people really care about, you know, talk to your users and they'll tell you, you know, what their biggest problems are. Um, but that's a great point that, you know, at the same time, you need to make sure that you're building a unique approach. Um, that's awesome. How do you, how do you weigh between, you know, because Navan has, has, you know, a unique kind of user base because you have, you know, let's call it the the uh, HR people who are using the platform. You have employees who are using it to book travel. Um, you might have like some finance teams which are using it for expense reporting. How do you weigh between all your different users in terms of who to prioritize? Uh, is it like a revenue-based approach? Like who's going to be our champions? So we're going to focus on them or is it always the employee? Kind of how do you, how do you make that trade-off between all the different user users that you have? Yeah, it's actually, it's, it is almost the opposite of a revenue-based approach because from a revenue-based approach, um, actually the economics around the just travel, you know, just booking, you know, buying a, a, an air ticket, an hotel, compared to payments and expense, you know, swipe your credit card and get some license, the you know the economics are significantly better towards the travel side okay so if you look at this just from a revenue perspective you are going to only build a you know a travel solution and not necessarily a payment and expense solution and in fact why would you take a salesperson or why will you invest marketing dollars in that side compared to the other side, right? So it doesn't make any sense, right? And if you just do that kind of approach, uh, you're gonna only develop travel. I think the way to look at this 
is how do you, how can you maximize the value that you are creating for your customers and users? How and if you do that again, the other things will sort themselves out. You'll be more differentiated. You'll get more loyalty into your platform. Eventually, you'll end up having a, a bigger market share. Uh, and that was always our approach. So I view Navan as the best uh, travel company and solution uh, on the planet. I actually think it's really second to none. And part of travel is really everything around payments, everything, how do you reconcile these payments, all the way to expense management. Because if you think about a traveler, a user, the user is not really uh, seeing the difference. The user is in a trip, right? So they book their they book their, their travel. Now they're in the trip. They're going to go into a Lyft or Uber. Uh, they're going to buy something. They're going to get into a restaurant. They're going to invite their customer that they're meeting into some entertainment, right? So now it's suddenly t &E. A lot of things are happening there. And for the traveler, it's the same thing. So you need to give the traveler an end-to-end -end integrated solution. One app, one product where they do everything in the context of this trip. But then the company is the same thing for them. They don't really care if the money that they was spent on the restaurant or the air ticket, right? They want to understand how much this trip has cost. Uh, they want to understand the safety around this trip while you, you, you are in the, you know, in the air, but also when you land and you take a car and also go to your hotel and later go to a restaurant, right? So companies and users see it as an end-to-end -end, uh, uh, challenge. And I view it as our role, uh, role to solve every type of challenge that a user, basically a traveler or an administrator or an EA that books trips or somebody that is in charge of the entire travel pro uh, program or somebody in the finance team, I view it as our mission to solve this integrated, this end-to-end -end thing for them, this end-to-end -end problem. And I think that's the way to see it and not necessarily looking at this as competitive or competing uh, priorities. Yeah, totally. Totally. That's awesome. Um, well, I guess kind of going back to the early stages of Navan, uh, can you like take me to, through the, the thought process and, and you, I know you had recently sold your company, Jive Software. Um, what were your thoughts? How did you get linked up with Elon? What were some crucial lessons that you were gaining and kind of learning from as you were building the very early stages of the company? Yeah, Elon and I have been working to get together for more than 20 years. So we were together in uh, Mercury Interactive and then at HP. Sometimes we were even in the same teams, sometimes trying to solve the same problems. Um, and then uh, we started our previous uh, startup together, uh, which actually was not a great uh, success. We did sell it. We did make money. Uh, our investors made uh, 3x on their money. Uh, but from success perspective, and for me, success on building a startup is actually to make an impact, to have everybody using you, to build something that is really good for everybody. Uh, from that perspective, we were not very successful. So then we got acquired by Jive together, uh, spent the two years there, and then started the back then trip actions, now Navan. Uh, the thought process around that was, can we build something that will really make an impact uh, for the employees in the workplace, right? And uh, f and I think there were a lot of things that you can do, but both of us were extremely passionate about travel. The reason is, you know, uh, I was all the time managing 
uh, pretty big global teams. Uh, so just to give you an idea, at HP, I had uh, 700 people reporting to me. And the unique thing about them, they were really, really all over the world. Uh, you know, Eastern Europe, uh, mainly in Ukraine and, uh, and, uh, and Romania, um, uh, India, China, different places in the U.S., Israel. So really, uh, you know, all over the place. Um, and so it means that I traveled a lot, which means that I was... I had all of the right statuses in, in the airlines, right? And in the hotels. So I should get the best service that is out there. Right, right, right. right? But I, I was always kind of by myself. I was kind of trying to call the travel agent because I'm kind of stuck in the road and something got canceled or my hotel, I showed up in a hotel room and the booking was not done. Or maybe the payment did, declined and before because of it, the booking was canceled. Stuff like that. So when you travel a lot, you know that the solution of a traditional travel agency, such as American Express or Carlson Wagon Lit, uh, connected to Conquer, is pretty bad. And we thought, Elon and I, that, wow, what, what if we can create really an amazing, amazing uh, solution? Um, and that was the thought process. But just to add to this, we said, you know, one of the reasons it's so bad, it's the policy. The policy is really limiting you to do what you need to do to be effective. So what if we can change the terminology here and come to companies and telling them, we will build the best T&E solution, the travel and expense solution on the planet by rewarding your employees to save you money, right? Um, so the entire dynamics is different now, right? The, the employees are happy, they're getting rewarded to do the right thing, and you're seeing this behavior and you don't have this ongoing fight between the employees and the company around their T&E. And that's what we did. That's actually why so many companies are joining our journey and so many employees, uh, because we really solved that problem. Which which is funny, because that's, you know, I heard in another interview that this was one of those things that, this was one of those variables that kind of from an economic approach, you were saying, this is a variable that we're going to change drastically. We're going to align the incentives and the employee and the company in terms of travel and entertainment, right? Or travel and expenses. And in the beginning, you were saying that, and I've heard in another interview that the metrics weren't showing that people were using it, that employees were simply not going to it. But you and Elon probably sat down and said, listen, this is a base assumption of the company. So we're going to double down and we're going to you know, bet on this. We're going to readjust the UI and uh, et cetera. How did you know that, that, <laughs> you know that your assumption was right? And how did you not just say, oh God, like, maybe our assumptions are incorrect and we have to move on and we have to move to something else. Like how, how did that play out? Take me through that moment. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, that's really important from a startup perspective. I think that uh, a lot of uh, entrepreneurs probably read this kind of, this book, The Lean uh, Startup, right? And I think a lot of the terminology of early stage startups come from this book. But I think that people are, Kind of sometimes reading this book in the wrong way and what they're saying i'm gonna i have an hypothesis right in our case people will want to use rewards to save company money so that's the hypothesis our hypothesis by the way was the, the the overarching thing was company money doesn't equal personal money i don't treat the company money in the same way that i will treat the, my my personal money and if i had a lot of things would have been solved right so that was kind of the 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 assumption or the hypothesis behind that um so from that perspective, that was a strong belief that we have validated, right? We have been talking with travelers, we have been talking with CFOs, and all of them told us, yeah, it's, obvi it's obvious, right? If you can solve that 
maybe misalignment, uh, you're gonna create something really unique. So we knew that, that was validated. But kind of from a lean startup mentality, you go, you launch something, you measure it, and then you're saying, if I'm not getting what I was expecting to get, uh, then maybe I have a bad idea. And I think this is a mistake because if you validated the need, you understand that there is a need out there. You went and talked with CFOs and, and business travel managers and travelers and, and EAs, and they all told you that they really don't like Concare as a system. And they didn't, they really don't like their travel agency as the American Express or, or Carl, Carlson Wagon Lead or Agencia. These are kind of the travel agencies. And they really don't like them. I'm not saying they kind of not like them. They tell you that they really don't like them, but they're using them because they don't have a choice. So then you know that. That's a fact. Now, maybe at the beginning, you're not that successful. So the right thing to do is to put the metric in place. You are not successful because obviously you will never get, get it right in the, on the first time, but then you need to iterate until this metric will make some sense. And I think the mistake that some, sometimes people are making is that when they, not, they are not getting what they wanted to get from a metric perspective, they're saying, maybe I have a bad idea. I think you need to validate your hypothesis by talking with people, then believing in it, and then go and execute it. And that's what we did. And the rewards example, nobody used it in the beginning is an example like that. We didn't say that nobody is using it because it's, it's a bad idea. We said that nobody is using it because something in the UI didn't work well, and let's iterate until we uh, land on the right place. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's awesome. What was, what was your, again, going back to the lean startup you know, thought process, what was your sales motion like in the early stage? You're, you're selling to, you're calling CFOs, and you're saying, hey, we have this great solution, or you're cold emailing, you know, HR people or EAs, how exactly, what was, what was the process like? Yeah, we, we talked with uh, anybody. First of all, we were doing a top down, uh, you know, B2B sales. So it means with the sales team, uh, at the beginning, I was doing it personally. And then we added the uh, Michael Sindesich is actually today is the CEO of our entire payment and expense uh, business. So he's leading that today. So he started as our first account executive and grew all the way to really managing an important part of our, our company. Wow. Uh, and both of us were kind of in the field and we'll go from one customer to the other. And we kind of knocked on the doors and would talk with anybody that would listen. That was the reality. And, and uh, tell them, hey, would you want to have a better way for your employees to manage your travel and expense? And uh, and then you know that's how that's the way that we're doing uh, sales. Obviously, later we scaled it up. Now we have uh, hundreds of people that are doing sales and marketing here. And recently, we even uh, added a PLG motion, which is more of like go to our product by yourself, sign up, uh, get value from us without necessarily talking with us. Yeah, that was my ne- that was my next question. Exactly. I love I love hitting people on the PLG because there's a lot of PLG motions that I see popping up, and it. You know, actually, I I hate to tell you, I signed up with a corporate email to to check it out myself because I, you know, went in and wanted to see what it looked like. Um, but uh, what was the strategy and thoughts around this move? So, so it sounds like you had a heavy sales motion for a long time. What was the what was the push for PLG and why now? Yeah, it's about making an impact. I I think that we you know we are growing really fast, right? Our growth rate is really fast, fast and. I think in uh, 019, we we're probably the fastest growing business in, in Silicon Valley. And, uh, and even today, on uh, way bigger numbers, we are growing extremely fast. 
but you know business travel touches uh something like 20 percent of the employees right worldwide and the one thing that i definitely know that i don't have 20 percent of the employees using navan and i think that they'll tell their their alternative is extremely bad so the alternative is basically either i'm not doing anything i'm basically letting my employees to be on their own like book a trip like you know one one from you know uh, this website then the air from the other website and then if there are two airlines you know so try to change this trip try to cancel your trip try to know where your employees are not to mention that you are wasting a lot of money right we estimate the money for somebody that is not managing travel at all and how much money we can save them we see it at around 30 percent okay so you are not doing anything your employees are doing whatever they want to um you, let's say that you spend one million bucks a year on travel uh this is three hundred thousand dollars right that we can save you so so this is a kind of the what you call in the industry the non-managed on the managed by creating better uh, alignment these are bigger companies by creating be better alignment between the employees and the users um we think that we can save you around 10 percent, right again and now you're talking about budgets that are 50 to 100 million dollars right so 10% is uh, could be 10 million dollars, right? So this is really, really powerful. So we started PLG because, and by the way, part of this was their, their entire rebrand. We wanted our app, our product, our solution to create this value for travelers and the companies to everybody, to every employee, every company that is out there. We see no reason, we don't understand why would somebody want their employees to use a Conquer and a Carlson or Emax. We see no reason of why would you ask your employees to, you know, you are a, a checking out from the hotel room and then you get this receipt and the receipt uh, needs to be itemized, right? You need to go back to Conquer and describe the taxes with that. And I took something from the mini bar and I did that and this. So you're now spending like uh, 30 minutes as an employee to submit this uh, one receipt. And we see no reason for do that, definitely not in 2023. So uh, we thought that we need to be way lighter on the way that people uh, are accessing us. They want to talk with sales, they can definitely talk with sales, um, but they can also start to using us uh, by themselves. Yeah, wait, so so was the rebrand? Because, you know, the rebrand is very, it's very friendly, it's very user-oriented, you know, it's nice to use, it's beautiful colors, vibrant colors. Was that part of, was that, hand in hand with the PLG's push was that like part of the logic was hey we're going to make this accessible for employees so we're going to make this brand that's very very accessible 100% you know I'll, I'll I give don't know you a lot to disclose that <laughs> yeah I'll give you an example I think 100% first of all even the name you know uh Navan Navan is you know it's about uh, nav nav navigation it's about uh, avant-garde it's about really how do you navigate the world in a really cool way but there is another thing to Navan, which is just the look and feel. Like it, it is short. It's uh, you know, it's it's easy to access it. It's easy to say it. Uh, so this is really this was the intent. But there was another thing behind it, which is if you look at any type of B two B software that is out there, it will always be blue and gray. Always, there is no risk there. It's blue and gray. That's so funny. And That's I, great. Right, and I don't think that that's uh, what employees want, right? Why would I want all of my software to be blue and gray? And sometimes it's white, by the way. Why would I want that? And with that, like we are building software, business software for the people, 
And when I'm looking at Instagram or when I'm looking at TikTok or when I'm looking at Amazon, I don't see a blue and gray uh, software. So why does people think that when they're showing up in the office, they want this extremely boring software, right? Whether it is, uh, you know, salesforce.com, uh, through anything that SAP is uh, creating, uh, you know, all the way to even US software, right? And, um, and, uh, and we thought that people will want something else. And we created something else, something that is really inviting, that explaining to them that it is all about uh, the people. And this is really this rebrand, but also the way that our uh, product, our app look like, the way that our uh, offices look like, our ads and so on. Yeah, totally, totally. I used, so I used, I won't say exactly which one, but one of the people, the companies that you've listed and, and I, then I went in and signed up for Nevada and I was like, wow, this is so friendly. It's beautiful. It's fun to use. Really cool. Really cool from a product, product perspective. It's so cool to use. Um, okay. So I actually have a question from the crowd. I know we're running short on time, but, um, Scott Sue, who published a research article on Nevada for contrary research, um, had a question that he wanted to ask, uh, and that was, are there any plans on the roadmap to fuel this PLG motion that we've been talking about with like some sort of plugin for ChatGPT or Bard saying like, hey, you know, as an employee wants to use this plugin, they can use this to book their travel plans. Is there any sort of stuff like that in the roadmap? Yeah. First of all, I will say to everybody that you can disclose, of course. Yeah. First of all, I will say to everybody, welcome to the, uh, you know, AI world, uh, uh, because, uh, you know, we've been using uh, machine learning. Uh, to, to create really good experience uh, from our inception. Like the reason that you can book a trip in a van in less than five minutes is machine learning, right? We learn you, we get to know you, we will show you in the search results, we will show you the content in a way that will make sense for you. We will show customers how to save money in a way that will make sense for them. So that's machine learning. Uh, we've introduced chat, uh, you know, seven years ago and we introduced the chatbot uh, two years ago. So basically now a, I think a lot of companies are, or, or maybe the world is joining that party. And obviously GPT or generative AI has taken the entire thing to a completely di different level. Uh, so we are, a, it, for us, it was a, an obvious move to move to generative AI. And it appears right now in different places of our product. Now, when it comes to plugins, um, we are a B2B company, right? Which means that we care a lot about PII, about personal information, about protecting your corporate data and so on. The way that the, architect the architecture works today will not allow us to use plugins. Uh, I do understand the value of plugins and when the architecture will be better, and I'm sure that the architecture will eventually be better, probably will use plugins, but that's not the point for me. The point is to create a lot of value for our users and customers through AI. Uh, we were always about that. And now, of course, the technology made a huge jump uh, in the last two years, and we are definitely utilizing it. It would be great to hear a little bit about Navan Connect, speaking of new products and in your product roadmap. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think if you if you see the one uh, line that I keep repeating, it's about uh, friction, right? Uh, having an, an ability to access us to our PLG in an easier way, having the ability to relate to our brand in an easier way. So I want to remove as, mu as much friction as, as we can. Now, our payment and expense product is actually the most amazing product that I was part of. 
Uh, you basically take our credit card, uh, you go to a restaurant or you book a flight, you swipe it, we capture everything automatically. The receipt, the details of the receipt, the reason for the for this expense and so on. We we are enforcing policy on the fly, like like on the point of sale. Like we'll tell you right now, was it in policy or not? And then we automatically reconciling everything. So the finance teams can just review it quickly and push it to uh, NetSuite as an example. NetSuite or QuickBooks depends on their site. So that's what we do. And it's magical. It's truly magical software that create a lot of uh, value for the users and the companies. There is one friction there. We are asking you to replace your credit card with ours. And some companies would love to do that. Uh, we think that our credit card has uh, some valuable uh, loyalty club attached to it and other things. But some ca companies are extremely fine and uh, they think that their current credit card is really good, right? Uh, some would love their uh, Chase credit card, their Citibank credit card, uh, their Bank of America credit card and so on. And they don't see a reason to replace it. So Navan Connect is all about that. We are now releasing the ability to use our payment and express product, the same magic. You swipe your card, you, everything is getting automatically reconciled. We are uh, having a point of sale policy, everything in the moment, but we are releasing it and supporting every credit card that is in the market. Uh, so I think that that will really make us uh, taking the entire market. I see at that point no reason of why everybody will not move to Navan. Wow. From an expense management perspective, that's incredible. can't believe that. Did you, did you, y'all build out that infrastructure yourselves from the, 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 the payment processing perspective? Yeah. So, so the way that we always work, we always kind of have these ideas and we test them on a very low scale. Like, is it possible to create this with, with any credit card? Uh, I think the common wisdom two years ago was that it is not, that you have to uh, use your own credit card and your own technology to do that. Uh, we realized that with big, with deep partnerships with uh, Visa and MasterCard, uh, you can actually do that. Um, so it, uh, we tested it, we saw that it is working, uh, and now that's what we're going to do. We're going to basically allow people to use whatever credit card that they want to, including ours, by the way. Uh, but any credit card that they want to. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, well, I'm sorry we have to bring this conversation to a close, but uh, I do want to sneak in a quick lightning round. It's a little thing I've been trying to do at the Wharton FinTech podcast. Um, so just short questions, short answers. Um, one small piece of advice to people looking to start their own paths in building a company. I would, say, I, I would say that you need to start. I think that a lot of entrepreneurs have a lot of ideas and really want to build a company. Uh, and they will talk with you about it and do a lot of different things. They need to start. Like starting is the most important step. And if you'll do that, eventually you'll have a business and a startup. <laughs> I love that. Uh, top book recommendations. I would say I'm always saying it, but I will repeat it. I, the book that influenced me the most, both, both on a personal level and a career level, is uh, Mr. Vertigo by Paul Oster. Uh, it's a fiction, it's uh, not about business, and I think it impacted my business thinking in a profound way. Well, okay, I'll have to check it out. Uh, and then top advice for an individual looking to start to build a career in the B2B fintech space. Uh, I think you really need to be judgmental on the idea 
And are you trying to build something that is not doable? And the only reason that you can build it is that there is some gap in regulation or in interest rate. And I'll explain what do I mean. I think that a lot of the fintech industry was built on uh, limited regulation around regional banks and um, a low interest rate environment. Uh, you need to ask yourself if this thing is changing or will be changed, is the business still valid? And especially uh, the low interest rate part. So I think if you're starting something, ask yourself, is there a technology advantage here or there is a, regul a regulation or a interest rate environment uh, advantage here? If it's a technology, I would totally join this startup and start my B2B career in the fintech space. If it's more of like some uh, interest rate dynamics, I would uh, stay away. That's great. That's great advice. Um, awesome. Well, thank you to Daraba. Thank you, Ariel, for joining us on the Wharton Fintech podcast and have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton Fintech podcast. If you like the show, please like or comment on social media or even consider leaving us a review. It really helps us spread the word to more listeners. If you want more content from our fintech community, please subscribe to our podcast, or you can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Medium, at Warren Fintech. And there you can find interviews, articles, and so much more analyzing all aspects of the fintech industry. As always, thank you to our editor, Rafael Saria, and until next time, I'm your host, Josh Benedivo.